So I had a very dramatic beginning, but it was not recorded. <laughs> Let me do it again. Wise view, wise view. There is no other factor of mind more powerful in terms of liberation. Wrong view, wrong understanding. Nothing more potent in terms of confusion and suffering. So I wanted to make a little bit the link between wise attention, sati, mindfulness, and wise view, how maybe one leads to the other, as I understand the practice. And what, what, uh, what comes uh, in me as I, I say this is uh, some, a mixture of awe and gratitude. I'm in awe, and I've been for a long time, I think, uh, in awe about the, um, uh, yeah, about the way this path uh, works, this Buddhist path or this path of uh, wise attention works. I'm in awe because it's, yeah, there's a kind of intelligence in it that I would not have found by myself. You know? so, so awe that it exists at all and gratitude that, uh, you know, this is shared still in the world after 2,600 years that this body of uh, knowledge and practices is still uh, in existence, protected and uh, transmitted. And, uh, culture to culture, communities to communities, human beings to human beings. And so what, what is transmitted, what is uh, suggested, what is, uh, what is the invitation? The invitation as I received it, it seems, was to do like we did this weekend or do this weekend, to put a little time aside uh, retreat, retreat, in some form or another, retreating from our daily activities or ways, daily ways that we're, we, you know, we're usually engaged, create a little bit of space, space in terms of silence, space in terms of time, um, so that we can, uh, yeah, and that's the invitation is to create a little bit of space it can be a retreat like this, or it could be a few minutes during the day, or it can be even just an attitude on how we go about our day. You know, suggestion on how we could go from point A to point B. You could go from point A to point B, you know, with, uh, in a hectic way, in an agitated way, in a mindless way, you know, and you could go from point A to point B. Point A to point B might be, you know, go to the grocery, might be point A to point B, might be wash the dishes, going from dishes dirty to dishes clean, you know. You know, the, the suggestion that there's a way you could go about this, there's a way that you could uh, pay attention. 
which is a little bit more generous, uh, full, mindful, you know, an invitation to feel, to allow oneself to feel what is happening, to, to experience more lucidly, more fully, more closely, with more intimacy. You know, it's very, very simple. We could leave just with these few instructions and go do our research for a few months in our own retreat without more, more um, instruction, just this invitation to pay attention, to feel. And so this becomes the path. And so we use wise attention, an attention that is not judgmental, that is not trying to acquire, that is just connecting, feeling what is happening, sensing, experiencing what is happening. It's extremely simple. And, you know, I have a memory echo of words that I, use, I heard uh, Maviranyani, a nun in Burma, a few months ago, you might have heard me repeat this because it was impressive for me. And her instructions, the way she was wording it was, um, feel what you feel. Feel what you feel. This was her instructions after decades of practice. She was in a conversation with somebody who had a lot of emotions maybe distress and fear and concern, you know, it was about, you know, the situation in Burma, you know, concern for a country that this person feels very in, indebted towards for having received instructions, you know, and the practices of meditation and knowing all that is happening in Burma and being away from, from Burma, far away, feeling like a, a lack of power, this, that's the word, not disempowerment, but uh, yeah, anyway, you, you follow me, a lack of capacity to do something about the situation. Anyway, so this person was uh, in an exchange with uh, Ma Viranyani, uh, and she was saying to this person who was ex expressing concern and was somewhat agitated, was saying, Feel what you feel. Feel what, there's nothing else you need to do. Just feel what you feel. And so to me, this, this is another way, other words to give the same instruction. Just pay attention. Be aware of what is happening. Feel what you feel. And around that conversation, she was also saying, this is samsara. It's not supposed to work. This is samsara. It's not supposed to work. It's not, you know, we're separated from what we want. You know, there are wars and there's all kinds of things. It's part of the, of the, the realm. It's part of the reality we're in. Feel it. Feel it. And so these are the instructions to feel what you feel, to, to feel what we feel, to experience what we experience knowingly, lucidly. And as we do this, 
not just for one little time here, I'll try it for 10 minutes, you know, and oh, there's no results, you know, but as we do it, like we do now over a weekend, as we integrate this in our lives in a formal way and in informal ways that we pay attention to what we feel as we are having a conversation with a friend, as we are moving about the house, as we are receiving the news, as we're enjoying a meal, as we are laying there, not sleeping, as we are waking up, as we are waiting for something to happen here or there, the phone to ring, our turn to come, to just feel, and again, this practice of just feeling, just noticing how how it feels to, to, in the body, in the heart. What happens over time is we start noticing how things are fluctuating. The moods, the ideas, the relationships, the situations. And we start to see this, how there's dynamism all the time. And so this is the beginning of right view, of wise view. I see no other factor more powerful in terms of liberation, of freedom of mind as wise view. What is wise view? Is this capacity to recognize the ephemeral changing nature of events, situations, inner life, relational life, physical realm, material realm, realm of ideas, at any level, culture, changes are happening all the time. It's always, what is the word here, morphing into something else. Something is expanding, other things are breaking, falling apart. Our health, we stay tuned to our health, we'll notice how it fluctuates. Our moods, how they fluctuate, the mood of our neighbors (laughs) or co-citizens. Ideas, how ideas change. And so wise attention will start to make us see how things are constantly changing, appearing, disappearing, sometimes slowly over time. But the more we pay attention, the more we'll see how it's flickering, changing from moments to moments, moment to moment. Opinions do that. They can turn in one second, you know. You know, I like this person. This person is my friend. Suddenly, is this person my friend? Check. Within a second, is the same person. It's just a thought in the mind, a different idea 
And whoops, suddenly what seems solid has revealed this changing nature. I'm good, I'm not good, I'm worthy, I'm not. It's gonna work out, it's never gonna work out. And we're invited in this practice to pay attention. How do I wanna say this? Almost beyond the, the first characteristics that we notice about things. I like, I don't like, it's mine, it's not mine. It's blue, it's green, it's far, it's near. Beyond this or in the middle of this, what else is in this thing? You know, this is strong, this is subtle, but both have in common to be shaky, you could say, unreliable. My health might seem very, very solid and reliable and suddenly tech, health is gone. What seems solid, permanent, reveals its uh, ephemeral or shaky nature. Intriguing, uh, what's the link between this and freedom? That is intriguing. Or maybe not, maybe it's very clear to you as you hear this. For me, how I, it comes to me just now is, oh, so I'm not fooled. You know, I'm free from erroneous views that this is reliable, this is stable, this I can control, this is mine, really mine in the sense that however I want it to be mine, it's mine. No, it's not. Memory is not mine because sometimes it's available, sometimes it's not. Just a little knock of the head and maybe my, all my memory would be gone. Wow, not reliable. Paying attention also as we sit, as we walk, as we eat. We'll get to notice that uh, although everything has specific characteristics, some things are tasted, some other things are seen, other are heard. But all these things have in common that they're not exactly mine. Wow, this is deep. This is very deep. This, this is not obvious. This is why the Buddha, I think, talks about wrong view. Wrong view creates confusion, creates uh, disappointment, creates distress, creates shock, you know? And wise view, which would be a slow, gradual understanding, developing the understanding that nothing is exactly mine. 
things are conditional. They belong to conditions. When conditions are come together, something arises. And when the conditions pass, this thing disappears. So that things are conditional and therefore not exactly mine. This is a little bit hidden, I think. In a way you could say, no, it's not hidden. It's right there. If you look, you'll discover this. It's hidden by our lack of attention, by maybe what the culture teaches us. And as we pay attention, we'll discover more and more how things are conditional and not exactly mine. Again, health, memory, very, very much conditional things. Would you agree with me? If the conditions are right, they will be health. The conditions are right, they will be memory. If the conditions are right, they will be the absence of conflict, good under, you know, good, good, good relationship. But if we remove something in the equation, you know, if we remove one of the conditions, suddenly, whoops, this falls apart. You know, it was not mine. It was not me that was making this relationship peaceful and nourishing. You know, only it was not only me. You know, there was conditions that were together sustained, made this possible. And at some point, whoops, condition shift. So again, what seemed solid reveals its ephemeral, conditional nature. And the practice of mindfulness helps us become aware of this, especially on a weekend like this, where there's plenty of hours. If the mind gets busy with what I want, what I don't want, next week, etc., then it's covering. It's covering all the insights possible. It's covered with layers and layers of projection, expectations, anticipation, storytelling, opinions. That's why we need to simplify a lot the practice. Just be with this, just as it is, and notice how when the conditions change, this will change. So you sit there, you sit there, very comfortable, best cushion, shoved it a lot online, seven minutes on it, eight minutes, nine minutes, <laughs> conditions are changing. It's the same cushion, <laughs> it's my cushion, but suddenly the experience is different, you know, either because of the, you know, the length of time, conditions are changing. It's not just two minutes on the cushion. Now it's 27 minutes on the cushion. So it's becoming hard, you know, or I felt really good on the cushion, but then Pascal said something that was disturbing to me. <laughs> and now, you know, although they sold me this cushion as the most comfortable cushion, it's really uncomfortable to be here because I heard something, you know, the conditions change, something was said, or an idea crossed the mind and, you know, this cushion was sold as absolutely comfortable. And now I discover that it was so shaky. You know, the comfort is completely gone because now I feel like shit, you know, and the cushion won't solve this, <laughs> you know? Wow, it's so amazing. Comfort, being comfortable, 
is something very, very unreliable, I've noticed. Could be because of a little something on the clothing, in the cushion, in the mind, in the heart, in the environment, coming from the outside, something said, and being comfortable is gone. Just an idea crosses the mind, and suddenly I'm uncomfortable. And so this is very, very humbling, all what I'm talking about here. That's what I was going to say, things, 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 are as if they were out there, things are ephemeral. Things are not exactly mine, they're just conditional. They pass by, you know, they appear when the conditions are there, or they don't appear or disappear when the conditions change things out there, but even things in there also are in the same way ephemeral. All the things of the body and the heart, opinions, ideas, are ephemeral. They're conditional. Wow. I'm not much, huh? in a way. And just a play of conditions, changing conditions. And so as we pay attention, as we walk, as we sit, as we eat, slowly over maybe a number of years, we start to see the pattern underneath, you know, underneath my opinions, underneath what I want, underneath what I value underneath, you know, what, what's the pattern underneath? It's a pattern of changing phenomena, all in relationships, influencing each other. And, you know, suddenly there is COVID, there's a pandemic. And I understand, oh yeah, it's not. It's happening out of conditions. The conditions were, came together for something to emerge. Well, of course, if you think it's not, it applies anyway. If you think there's no pandemic, it's made up. If that's how you perceive it or understand it or believe it or you know how it is for you, that's the same thing. Condition came together <laughs> for, you know, society or a group of people to pretend there was a pandemic. I don't mind if you believe it's true or not. I personally, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think it, I think it's happening, you know, but I'm just saying whatever your take on this is, is conditional. It's an ephemeral thing, you know, and you know, suddenly the conditions are such, and some of us now maybe are suffering because there's pressure to be vaccinated. Ah, the conditions came together suddenly for our society to value uh, a lot, a certain vaccine, vaccine you know, maybe a majority or the dominant group. Whatever your take is on the vaccine, to me in a way in this talk, it's irrelevant. Personally, 
I'm HIV positive. I would love to have a vaccine. So if you give me a vaccine, <laughs> I'm ready to take it because I think it's, it's, it's good, but that's only my take on it. You know, I, I wish this for other parts of my life, but there was, there was a vaccine I don't have access to. It makes my life very complicated. But that you think it's a good idea or not, which is very possible to have both opinions are very possible. Conditions came together, you know, so that now, you know, we're invited to get a vaccine. And in that event, like in any other events in our life, we don't get to control things. Yeah. You don't get to control your mood or you know, what happens in your health. You know? Of course we can contribute for sure. You know? Exercise, uh, eating healthy, but that's, that's not gonna do it. It's not the only thing that, you know, there's all kinds of things we inherited from the family, etc. And so now there are conditions that came together. And if we pay attention with mindfulness, we'll recognize the same things as we see inside of us in our relationship as with the situation. What are the things they have in common? The things they have in common that is that it's ephemeral. You know, the pandemic was not there before. It's not gonna stay the same. It's changing all the time. The vaccination at some point, it was not something that was there in our life. You know, passport, vaccination, passport. You know, who would have thought this to go to a restaurant two years ago, three years ago? You know, so something arises out of the conditions of what's playing out. We don't have much control over it, you know? It's not about us, it's not about me. Exactly, it's playing out in a, at another level than personally, you know. We can make it personal, we can make it about me, but it's not exactly about me. And with mindfulness, I think what I'm learning what it teaches us, wisdom, is to respond appropriately. Responding appropriately. That's not easy. That's a lifetime of exploration. But instead of uh, reacting, uh, closing down, falling apart, which are all very natural response, you know, in the practice, we might learn through the practice to respond in a way that is less costly for us. Instead of hating, maybe we can bring understanding. And instead of wanting control, maybe we can recognize lack of control, that it's inherent in this reality that we're not gonna control things what others say, what we feel, what we experience, you know, and that maybe we can come closer to the experience of lack of control and that it might not 
absolutely need to hinder a sense of freedom. Through deep acceptance that there's many, many things in my life that I won't have control over, deep, deep acceptance. Maybe I can find some inner, inner peace. Maybe because of my situation, that's always kind of where my mind goes, where my mind goes in terms of reflection around this. You know, right now, for example, I can't get rid, rid of the HIV virus in my bloodstream. It could be a hindrance to freedom. But it also doesn't have to be maybe. Maybe there can be a deep acceptance that this is how it is, you know, that there's a lack of control. And there's many areas in our lives where there's lack of control. It's really, really the kind of the, you could say the mark of this reality realm we're in. You know, we're, we're not born as gods and goddesses who can make things appear like this. And you wish, dang, <laughs> it appears. This reality really doesn't work like this. Huh? Have you noticed? So it doesn't work like this. And yet it's interesting that through wise understanding of the nature of reality, understanding the lack of control, the conditional nature of things, the fact that we don't control every condition, it's understanding this acceptance, we can find ease in this life, even if we don't get what we want. The freedom that doesn't depend on getting what I want. You know, this body will age. I might prefer youth. <laughs> you know, but clearly this body will age. These are the conditions. The conditional nature of things will make the body age. I can spend a lot of money try to go against the stream around this, you know, but eventually it's definitely going to fail, you know. And there's a freedom possible in deep acceptance, yeah, that this is how it is. Things fall out, dry up. We become invisible, maybe, slowly. I'm starting to notice this myself. Becoming slowly more generic, you know, and I'm walking around. You know, people serve me like I can see. Yeah, they don't see me. I don't exist, you know, anymore. <laughs> Somehow, before when I was younger, I existed a little bit more in the eyes of others. Still, you know, as a white cis male, I get, you know, 
I get seen a lot. It's given me a lot of power. But still, you know, I'm starting to see how a different interaction, I'm disappearing. I'm just this generic older man, you know. This is how it is. This is exactly how it is. I'm fading in the eyes of others. Interesting. The conditions are such that this, this fading away that is happening in the eyes of some others. It's exactly like this. That's the practice of mindfulness is to notice, oh, this is how it is. This is how it is. And so through being attentive, we start to notice how things are ephemeral, dynamic, how they are conditional, how I'm not going to have the power to align all the conditions all the time. A lot of the conditions are going to escape me. And I start to notice by paying attention also the different ways I can be with what's happening. There's ways that are costly. That are, you know, making my mental health you know, having an impact on my mental health, my well-being, my relationships. You know, rigidity is painful. You know, and it's only through mindfulness, through experiencing it mindfully that I can notice this. Oh my God, my mind is so rigid right now with my opinion. It's like this, it's supposed to be like this. It was supposed to be like this. This is how it was supposed to be, you know. Oh my God, that is painful. Very painful. So we get to experience this with mindfulness. We clarify. That's wise view also. We clarify which attitudes are bringing pain in our own lives, you know, destructive, destructive of our own inner well-being and destructive of our relationships, you know, impatience, hatred, you know, and which attitudes helpful. And so this weekend we just, you know, sit and walk and we notice the different attitudes we have. From the inside, from experiencing them, and some, you know, reveal their helpful, liberating nature. You know, a moment of Simplicity of just being with the breath, with the step, or with the smell, good or not so good, without making a story out of it. Here's a nice way to live. This is a possibility in, in, in here, it exists in here, that capacity to just feel without making, building, you know, a need to have, to keep, to get more of, to I define myself by, to, to um, yeah, you know, with, without building an opinion or, oh, this is just how it is. Wanting to get rid of, you know, 
noticing that just allowing what is there to be felt, not making a story out of it, has a lot of simplicity of ease to it. Oh, that could be useful in many other areas of my life where I'm making a big story out of things, you know. Rejoicing, maybe we get to oh, appreciating something. Oh, that's onward leading. You know, just appreciating something, not faking it, but really, you know, noticing this is beautiful, this works, this is a beautiful quality in this person. This is a nice moment to really appreciate something. I'm putting words on, on it now, but it's not words, it's felt. So the words I put on it is, you know, gratitude, appreciation. Um, yeah, it's helpful. It's not entangling. It's not complexifying, making things harder. I'm experiencing it, it's, it's helpful. Oh, let me nurture this. Tenderness in front of what is difficult, compassion. Not naming these things, it seems like a prescription, but in mindfulness, it's by experiencing it that we, in Vipassana, we get to understand clearly, to, to view clearly what is helpful. Oh, instead of hating myself for this mistake, if I'm tender to myself in front of this mistake, Oh, I can feel it's helpful. It's liberating. It's not entangling. It's not breaking inside. It's healing. And so slowly, as we sit, walk, eat, we learn to accompany you know, the situation that we separation from what is dear, encounter with what is lovely. Oh, before when something lovely happened, I would latch onto it, you know, try to keep it and it's mine, it's me. Have you seen it? Don't touch it, you know. <laughs> oh, and I'm noticing through practice that this is painful. You know, it removes my capacity to experience the pleasure. But understanding the ephemeral nature of things, understanding the different ways to be in the relationship with things, something lo lovely happens, now I tend to actually allow it to be beautiful and felt and to go and to go instead of in fear, grasping, wanting to keep. So an understanding of the ephemeral nature of what is beautiful is known to be liberating. Do you see a little bit how it is? Oh, this is beautiful, it's impermanent, it's passing through. Let me not grasp it, cling to it, want to make it mine and control it, because it's gonna hurt if I do this. As the rope escapes, you know, rope burns. Let me actually feel it, feel it. Feel the beauty of it, the beauty of the encounter of the moment. And in my wise view, my wise understanding of 
it being ephemeral, conditional, unstable. Let it come and let it go. So I can appreciate it and also do this compassion in there. Beautiful things collapse, pass, appear and disappear. Can it be okay? Can it be okay? No, <laughs> not okay. And it can be okay. Oh, I'm confronted with something I don't want. That's exactly part of this realm. Oh my God, that's what human beings experience. They're often confronted with what they don't want. Let me be tender here. It's not easy to go through this. Confronted with this ease, lack of control. Wow, what a trip. Can it be okay? No. Yeah, okay, I think I can go through this. It's part of this realm. It's part of the experience to lose, to not get access to what we wanted. It's really part of what will happen. Okay. So here we learn to do this by just walking a few steps. You know, and I would maybe want to be somewhere else, somebody else experience something, but I'm just going to step, 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 and learn to accompany myself through being separated from something more stimulating than just stepping. And then maybe I find freedom in just a few steps. Even if it feels, seems like the most boring, boring thing in the world. You know, I'm free because I don't need things to be entertaining. Can just do a few boring steps here. So just sit here with not much stimulation. That can be okay. Wow, that's freedom. I can have or not have what I want. It's okay. So by paying attention, I want to come closer to the ephemeral changing nature of events, to the lack of control there is in things, in order to learn how to be with the changing nature of things, the lack of control, maybe in a graceful way, but some freedom the mind that doesn't cling to have it its way. Okay, let's just sit for a couple of minutes here just to feel what's left there in the heart.
may we all become intimate with the changing nature of reality. Conditional nature of things. Contingent nature of things. May we find the golden way to be with things escaping, appearing in their own way. May we find the golden way to be with reality as it is. Okay, thank you. Now do as you see fit. Go cling to something. <laughs> or let it pass through. Let it be experienced. And we'll be back at 7 with, um, well, at 7 Eastern time with uh, Anushka. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.